Uh, my name is Matt, as I mentioned a moment ago. Really excited to open the scriptures with you this morning. Uh, if you've been with us the last few weeks, you know that we're in the middle of a series called Prayer and Prophecy, in which we explore different aspects of engaging in life with God. And we started that series with the Psalms and the Lord's Prayer uh, before moving into our study of the Holy Spirit and the stuff that the Spirit does. And so uh, last week we talked about uh, the gifts of the Spirit and we talked about tongues in particular, which is likely the most controversial of all of the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, today we're continuing with the gifts of the Spirit we have time in this series to cover one more. Uh, so we're taking on what I think is among the most important gifts of the Spirit, and that is prophecy. So uh, we'll start the conversation in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, why don't you turn there with me, and we'll get started in just a moment. As Paul writes to followers of Jesus in the early church, he says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. And then he goes on to say that the Spirit of God is working in a different way in everyone who follows Jesus, but he's working in all of them in uh, unique ways, using different gifts and kind of their own wiring and personalities and passions and abilities to build up the church or the body of Christ. And it's in uh, that context that Paul is then going to contrast tongues, which we talked about last week, uh, with prophecy, which he is even more keen on. We'll pick up in 1 Corinthians 14, but before we do, why don't you join me in a quick word of prayer. Jesus, as we come into this place, we just want to take a moment to quiet our hearts and quiet our minds and be open to receiving from you. And God, we all come from different places. Some of us are, are here just to check out church. We're not even sure that we believe in you in the full sense of the word. Uh, but I pray that you would be present here this morning, Father, and that you would speak to each individual that's here you would speak to us as we study your word, as we take time to receive from you, as we celebrate who you are together. Would you come, Jesus, and would you speak in your name? Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says this. It says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, as in all of the gifts, but especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies or builds up themselves. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified or built up or encouraged. That's the goal. So Paul urges us 
to desire and pursue prophecy and really to become a prophetic people. But before we can really get on board with that, uh, we have to understand what prophecy is and what role it has played in the biblical storyline. What does it mean to prophesy? And why does Paul say that this is the gift we should all be pursuing? So we will start our journey um, back toward the beginning of your Bibles, back in Numbers, chapters, Numbers chapter 11. And we'll throw it on the screen. You don't have to turn there unless you want to. But Numbers chapter 11 is back near the beginning of your Bible. And uh, what happens is that Moses is chosen as the first leader of Israel and a prophet who will kind of lead and guide the people. And he's empowered by the Spirit of God or the Ruach of God, for those of you who were here two weeks ago, um, for that purpose but it turns out to be an exhausting task and so God offers Moses a new way forward here it is the Lord said to Moses bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you I will come down and speak with you there and I will take some of the power of the spirit that is on you and put it on them they will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. Next slide. So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. He brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke with him, and he took some of the power of the Spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. When the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied but did not do so again. And there are other instances uh, like this. I think of 1 Samuel 10, uh, where God speaks to Saul. And he tells Saul, he says, Go to Gibeah, and as you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with, with lyres, timbrels, pipes, and harps being played before them. And they will be prophesying. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you and you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into a different person. And so time and time again, the Spirit of God comes on different individuals and they prophesy. And in fact, the role of a prophet was to prophesy, meaning that we have entire books of the Bible that are full of prophecy. But that still leaves us with the question of exactly what it is they were doing in these moments. Because when I think of prophecy, my mind instantly goes to images of Hollywood. And, and like the oracle who knows everything or the person with the crystal ball and people who, fortune tellers and people who just know the future, right? And can tell you the future. So if a prophet is prophesying, then in my mind, um, surely they're simply empowered by God to see the future and tell everyone about it. When I hear prophecy, I think predictions about the end of the world, right? But interestingly enough, when you read through the prophets and their prophecies, far less of it is about the future than you would initially assume. In fact, by some estimates of all of the Old Testament prophecies, only about 5% of it concerns a time beyond the Old Testament itself, and about 1% of it, by many estimates, it is unfulfilled today. 
We're still waiting for that last 1%. But that means that much of it, if not most of it, is actually concerned with the present. But it's speaking about the present from a perspective that most people are not accustomed to. And what that means for us is that to prophesy is not to predict the future per se, but rather prophecy is speaking God's words in God's timing. So when Moses and the elders are prophesying in the camp, uh, they aren't just yelling out predictions about what's going to happen in the year 2000 or whatever. They are speaking inspired words from God for that time and place. And all of the Old Testament prophets have similar experiences. And so you've got Isaiah and Jeremiah and Amos and Ezekiel and all of these guys being kind of called out and set apart as prophets and then told by God to prophesy in different times and places, which really just means, hey, speak my words to the people that I tell you to speak them to. The calling of Jeremiah is one of my all-time favorites. It says this, Jeremiah chapter 1, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. Pay attention to this. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. That's prophecy. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and I will rescue you. Because apparently, speaking prophetically can get you into trouble. Next slide. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Using your words, or rather using my words. Speak my words in my timing to the people and at the place where I give you those words. And if this is our working definition of the prophetic, then it becomes obvious that Jesus was the most prophetic person that ever lived. Because Jesus was God as well as human. And he was empowered by the Spirit of God to see things from God's perspective. And he says this. He says, I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Everything that Jesus said was prophetic. Everything he said was speaking God's words in God's timing. And then, post-resurrection, things get even more interesting. Because the Old Testament prophets, including many of the ones I just mentioned, were anticipating a day when God would pour out his spirit on all 
people, meaning that prophecy would no longer be limited to one spirit-filled person, but there would be new lines of communication between us and God. The same spirit that empowered the prophets to see the world from God's perspective and speak God's words into it. The same spirit that empowered Jesus to only speak the words that the Father gave him. That same spirit was going to be poured out on everyone who decided to follow him. And then the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost and Peter stands up in the midst of it and he says, this, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will what? Prophesy Your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. They will receive directly from God and speak God's words in God's timing. And Peter says that era, that time that we've been anticipating, it starts right now a whole new world has just opened up at your fingertips and paul says i want you to press into this new world i want you to desire this this new thing that's just been made available has come at the highest of costs and paul's saying i don't want you to miss it you can actually learn to speak god's words in God's timing. There are new lines of communication that have just opened up between God and humanity and it isn't rooted through a handful of prophets or even like pastors or church leaders but rather uh, it's now happening in the hearts of men and women everywhere around the planet who have received the Holy Spirit. And it's in this context with that as the backdrop that Paul is now saying, hey, eagerly desire the greater gifts, especially prophecy." Because it's not enough to know about God. We want to know Him. We we, we want to walk in step with Him. We want to be in tune with God. We want to hear from Him and be shaped by His words in real time. And what this amounts to, ultimately, is relationship. And it's not always easy And and it doesn't always feel safe, but it's never boring. And and it's necessary for our walk with Jesus. In my experience, nothing so brings a community to life as having a sensitivity to the Spirit and a humble willingness to engage with God in real time. This is not a dead community that studies an outdated historical book for for interesting intellectual concepts. This is a living community filled with the spirit of the living God. 
And as a result of the Holy Spirit being at work among us, God is going to stir stuff in our hearts and find ways to communicate with us. Paul says it this way. He says, What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. And do you see the difference in in handling those two subjects? He says, hey, don't forbid this thing over here, but this is where I want you to press in. This is what I want you to desire as much or more than anything else that you would receive from God. And so now, Paul imagines this church and is experiencing this church in which everyone has something when they come together. And so when, when, you, come to, when you come together or gather on a Sunday or in your missional community or, or with friends from the church on a Thursday morning for coffee or whatever it is, he's saying, hey, everybody comes with something with a sense on your heart, with an impression, with a scripture that you feel like God's given you, with a, with a song or a hymn uh, on your heart, with a gift that is to be shared. And, and do you see how participatory this is? The church was never intended to be two or three professional Christians up front and a whole bunch of consumers who just come to listen without truly thinking or engaging. That is not the church that God intended. And and when we create those churches, it it should grieve us a, a little bit. Because that's not what God's after. What he's after is this thing that Paul is talking about. It is this community that, that is engaged in a meaningful way. And, and, and we don't want to miss that, that unparalleled opportunity to come together as individuals who have all been engaging with God and allowing the Spirit to, to, to stir something in them. So we are a diverse body of individual cells, each one of us coming alive to our own wiring and gifting as we pursue Jesus together. And that's it in, in, in a sentence or two. That's our theology. That's um, our hope for the future. Our hope is that we would become a people who are engaged and expectant, learning to receive from God in real time and participate with all that we have. That's where we're headed as a church. But before we just kind of end with that and head into worship, I want to share a few thoughts um, as practically as I can on uh, what the prophetic is and how we might go about engaging in it. Because when we talk about uh, receiving and sharing God's words in real time, um, we usually aren't talking about hearing the audible voice of God. I know a few people who have had like one experience like that in their life. Uh, But for most of us, that's not how it happens. And we aren't announcing like the Old Testament prophets did, hey, this is what God said, thus saith the Lord. Uh, That's not how it works. Um, In fact, Paul says that we know in part and we prophesy in part. 
But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. Meaning that prophecy is often incomplete or imperfect. We get bits and pieces from God emerging in our thoughts and in our dreams and in our prayers and in our imaginations, emerging into the conscious mind. But rarely, if ever, do we get the booming voice from Mount Sinai or thundering from a cloud telling us what is yet to come. Right now, Paul says, we prophesy in part, which means we have an ear to the door, so to speak. And, and we're getting bits and pieces, a muffled voice coming through. And, and in that, God is near, but the message is not always clear, if that makes sense. And Paul says, one day the door will be flung wide open and we will see God face to face. One day we won't need to prophesy to one another anymore because we'll see Jesus. And if we have a question, we'll just ask him and he can respond to us. One day the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. But not yet. In the meantime, we receive from God in part or imperfectly. And it often emerges in ways and in avenues uh, that are subtle and even easy to miss. And so we have a number of really useful safeguards in place uh, to guide our experience together as what we hope will be an increasingly prophetic community. Okay, so first, if you're taking notes, uh, the first question that we ask when kind of operating with the prophetic or receiving prophetic words from others is, does it line up with scripture? God has spoken a word for all people for all time. And any future word that he will speak will never contradict the word that he has definitively spoken already. And so if there is a conflict between the way that you feel led or what you feel led to say and what the scriptures say, it's really simple. You're wrong. <laughs> and the scriptures are right. And so um, whatever it is, uh, where, wherever we are, whatever we're receiving from God, uh, we're running it through that grid. So, uh, as an example, if we, we usually offer prayer up front at the end of, of the gathering. And so if someone were to come forward for prayer and say, hey, I really need prayer. I'm, I'm struggling in my marriage. You know, I'm spending a lot of nights on the couch. We're grinding with each other. We just can't see eye to eye. And we can't make any decisions. It's just been, the last year has just been brutal. And we say, okay, let's go ahead and, and listen and pray. And if the person praying were to say, hey, uh, I just really feel like God's telling you you should get a divorce. What we would do is start running that through the lens of Scripture and instantly realize that is not at all what God would want to say in that moment. Does that make sense? Because God's already spoken a word that is clear. And so any future word that He will speak will line up with that. The more Scripture you know, the more opportunity God has to speak prophetically through you and the better you will be able to, to, to discern what's from God and what is not. 
So the first question we ask, does it line up with scripture? Second, we um, try to get a sense of, does this resonate with the recipient or the community with which it's shared? It might line up with scripture, but does it mean anything in that moment? And so if I'm praying for someone and I feel like I'm receiving something from God in that moment, uh, I'll often ask mid-prayer, hey, does this mean anything to you? Like, here's what I'm seeing, here's what I'm sensing. Um, does, it, does it resonate? Do you know what that means? Um, or in a different context, it could happen with things that are shared up front. And so oftentimes, as something is shared in between songs during worship or even through a teaching, it could be this thing where we're saying, hey, I really feel like this is what God wants to say to the community right now. And we share it. Uh, but one of the things that we would kind of hope or expect to see in that is some kind of response, Right? And it could be as simple as someone coming up after it's shared and saying, wow, that was exactly what I needed to hear from God today. Or, or I was praying earlier this morning before I came to the gathering, and that's the exact same word that God gave me. And so all of a sudden we say, oh, okay, that, that actually makes sense. I, I think there might be something there. That might be a prophetic word from God because it's resonating in the heart of the recipient. Uh, it, if... Paul says that the heart behind prophecy is that it's edifying, which we don't use that word a lot, but he means it's strengthening, it builds people up in love. That's, that's what prophecy does. And so if it's a word given from God in that moment, it, it should hit some kind of mark in the heart of the recipient. And that doesn't mean that it's not confrontational, Right? It doesn't mean that it's always like good news. It, it might not have been the word that you wanted to hear from God. It might have been challenging or convicting or even insulting. And yet in that moment, something in your heart resonates and you realize, whoa, that, that's from God. That's what he wanted me to hear today. So that's one more thing that we look for. Did it edify the recipient? Did it resonate? And finally, Paul says, weigh it carefully. His instruction to the church, his vision for the church, is actually that two or three different people would share something prophetic in every gathering on a Sunday. But in that context, he says, then the others should weigh carefully what is said. Why? because we prophesy in part or in imperfection. And so we never just accept what is said as the final word of God. I was talking with uh, one of the guys here at the church a few weeks ago, uh, and he said that his brother's friend, a 19-year-old girl, uh, recently broke up with her boyfriend, and in the aftermath of it, a 35-year-old man uh, within their church uh, approached her and said, hey, I just really feel like God's saying that you need a spiritual leader in your life right now, i.e. me. You know, like, I, I really think that we should be together, you know? And she's like, whoa, 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 like totally creeped out, right? So she had to weigh that for like two or three seconds. <laughs> like, uh, let me think about it. Uh, no, sorry. That's actually not what God is saying right now. That's what you wish God would say right now. But it's not. And that's kind of an extreme example. And he actually like, did that with other people in the church. It was just bad. But 
I'm using a more unusual or extreme example to draw out that point that regardless of who it is or how reputable they are or whatever the situation is, we always weigh carefully what we are receiving. Um, because there's, there's always going to be that strange minority of outliers and strange situations. And sadly, there are people who will use prophetic words as a form of manipulation, as a way of twisting someone else to do what they want them to do. So with everything, we're running it through the scriptures. We're asking, does this strike a chord or resonate with the recipient? And it's something that we weigh. Because right now, we prophesy in part as we await the day of fullness. And finally, uh, as we close, I want to just highlight a few of the major avenues that God uses uh, to speak and give prophetic words. So regardless of how God speaks, we're going to run it through this grid and through this uh, lens. But of all of the many ways that God can speak to us and guide us, uh, there are some common trends which I think as a community we should be aware of and even anticipate. So uh, first off, if you're taking notes, Hearing from God, uh, first and foremost, involves the scriptures. By far the most common of all prophetic words that I've spoken, uh, received, or encountered is that God uses scripture. And uh, sometimes that happens in, a, in the case of individual verses, like you get word for word, like Romans 8 verse 4 or whatever it is. Uh, but other times it'll happen through what I would call biblical paradigms, sort of stories in the Bible and things that God has done in the past that he then uses to explain something that's happening in the present and bring clarity to uh, a moment. And so he'll often bring scripture um, to you know, your mind or the mind of someone else that has something to do with that moment. And to be clear, uh, we believe that all of Scripture is God's word for all people for all time. That's why we love the Bible. It's God's word. It's living. It's active. It is dynamic. And this is perhaps the primary avenue through which God speaks to us in real time. Growing in the prophetic in this context, simply means growing in your discernment of which scriptures God would want to speak in which times. Does that make sense? You can, you can think of it this way. Uh, imagine, if you would, that the Bible was a book of musical notes, right? And you uh, were a musician. Some of you are. I'm not. But imagine that you are, okay? And if you just started flipping open the Bible and playing random notes at random times in front of other people, it would be awkward. But the Holy Spirit comes into our lives um, as the composer or as the conductor who, who then guides us and lays different things on our hearts and kind of teaches us how to play along with God's music, so to speak. And, and the thing that he's singing over creation. And sort of being in sync with God and speaking what he once said in that moment. If the scriptures are keys on the piano, then, then the Holy Scripture is guiding us in which keys to play at which time. So that God's word is spoken in the right time and place. 
Next, if you're taking notes, um, God speaks through images and visions. Remember that Joel um, spoke of the prophetic happening, but through the avenue of visions and dreams, implying uh, that God isn't thundering from a distant cloud. He's actually beating inside of your heart. He's coursing through your veins. He's in your subconscious and rising up into your conscious mind. He's showing up in your dreams. When the Holy Spirit dwells in you, God will show up even in in your imagination, giving us pictures and dreams as a means of speaking to us. And I'm a very visual person, I'm a visual learner, and so uh, this is often the way that God speaks to me, is through this avenue. And so um, this is where it gets a little more subjective in trying to describe this avenue of God speaking. But what I'll often do uh, when I'm praying for someone or just practicing listening prayer generally is that I'll, I'll take a posture of listening and being open to receiving from God and then I'll allow something to emerge into my mind's eye. And as it does, whether it's a, an image or a scripture or a word or whatever, what I'll typically do, and this is just me, okay, I'll kind of gently push it to the side and, and just allow myself, hey, let's just keep, let's just think of something new. And if it comes back again, I'll, I'll kind of gently, not totally reject it, but just gently set it off to the side again. And if it keeps coming back, that's kind of a sign for me personally. Okay, I, I think there might be something here. I, I think this is something uh, that God might want to speak. And then I have to decide what, what to do with that. Uh, so, for example, um, last Sunday, I think it was, uh, I, I had offered to pray for one of our college students. And uh, I was praying for them. And as we were praying, uh, it always helps, I think, to actually have multiple people praying for this reason. Because while one person's praying, the other one's kind of listening and, and all of that. So as we're, as we're praying for this person, uh, I had this, this imagery that started coming to mind. And the image was of uh, a person fighting up the hill in like a World War II style battle. And all of a sudden, they started taking all of this fire and kind of got pinned down by like machine gun fire or whatever, halfway up the hill. And their temptation in that moment was just to like dig a trench and kind of like form a safe space and just kind of settle in and stop there. And I just had this sense of, oh man, but what they really need to do is they need to continue that tough fight all the way up and they need to take the hill. And that was what was playing through my mind as as we were praying for this person. Uh, And so mid-prayer, I I shared that with the person, and not in like, thus, this is what God says, but I said, hey, as we were praying, this this image came to mind, and I'm I'm not sure if it's from God or not, I I really don't know, but here it is, and and shared it. Sometimes I say, okay, um, this might be for you, it might not be, but here's here's what it is. And, And oftentimes I'll end something like that by just asking, hey, does that mean anything to you? Like, does that, does that resonate, to, to use that language? Uh, because the thing about images and visions is that oftentimes they require an interpretation. And sometimes that interpretation is kind of just built in. It's almost obvious uh, from what it is. And other times it's really not obvious. And so an interpretation either has to be like arise in the heart of the recipient who's hearing it, or it's another thing that kind of has to be received from God separately. And so um, if God hasn't given me a sense of uh, or insight into what the vision might mean in that moment, uh, then I'll ask the person that I'm praying for, hey, does this mean anything to you? I don't know what this means. I, I don't know if it's from God. I think it might be. Uh, does it mean anything to you? Oh, it does. Okay, awesome. Let's pray into that. 
Let's pray that God would give you strength in this season to continue to fight up, up and take that hill or, or whatever it would be. And, and then we allow that to kind of shape our prayers. But I almost always will share a vision even if I don't have an interpretation for it. I, it's something that I want to share. And so in all of this, kind of the images and visions and dreams it is kind of this art of learning to see things rather subtly in your mind's eye. And then allowing that in this moment of kind of careful courage uh, to share that with someone and allow it to actually shape reality. In the calling of Jeremiah, uh, which we read earlier, we stopped at verse 10. Uh, this is verse 11, the very next verse, after he's been called. It says, the word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah, in your mind's eye? I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied, which is kind of weird, I guess. And, and the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. And, and this is just me, but what I see going on here is almost like a seeing eye test, right? It's like, hey, Jeremiah, I'm gonna like gently place something in your mind. Do you see it? Do you see what I'm talking about? Well, yeah, it's just a branch, that's weird. And God said, no, 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 that's, that's right. Like, this is working. We're, we're, we're communicating, right? And, and then he goes on again. The word of the Lord came to me again. What do you see? I see a pot that is boiling, I answered. It's tilting toward us from the north. And now God's going to give an interpretation as to what that means. The Lord said to me, from the north, disaster will be poured out and goes on and on and on as to what he's to share with those people. But do you see how that works? Joel said, hey, young men will have visions and old men will dream dreams. God is going to speak right into your heart and mind. And just like learning to ride a bike or learning to walk or learning to fly or whatever the analogy is, there's tons of grace along the way. And there has to be the freedom to fail. Our, our son, Eli, is just getting to, to be one year old. He's just about to learn how to walk. If he doesn't have the freedom to fail over and over again, he will never learn how to walk. And, and I, think, I think the same thing works here with this type of stuff. We're all in process. We're all learning. It's, it's imperfect. It's in part. And there's grace. And finally, uh, if you're taking notes, um, God often gives words or phrases. And the typical case would involve God um, giving a single word or a phrase, um, for example, to me as I'm praying over Matt Karsh or whatever. And I'm praying for him, and all of a sudden, kind of up out of, you know, into my mind comes the word meeting. And so I, I would do what I typically do and kind of set that aside, and oh, that's weird. And, and then comes back again, meeting. Oh, okay, like I'm just trying to pray for him, like let, let's keep praying meeting. And I'll say, ah, okay, Matt, like as we've been praying, I just keep getting the word meeting. And I really have no idea what that means. It could be from God. Uh, maybe it's not, but does, like, I don't know, does that mean anything to you? And oftentimes it will. And I'll say, oh my gosh, like God's been, I've been wrestling with this fact of like whether or not God really wants to meet with me or whatever the thing is. And then we allow that to shape and guide our prayers together. We go from there. Uh, but notice that when it comes to words or phrases that God kind of gives us, that this is similar to the ways in which God would give other gifts that we don't even have time to talk about. So when you think about um, words of knowledge or words of wisdom uh, or even an interpretation of tongues, I, I think it would play out, in, in, in my experience, it plays out in a very similar way 
way. Um, in that there's in the moment, God gives a word or a phrase or a message that goes beyond normal human intuition and insight and actually opens up new avenues of understanding and new directions for prayer and actually shapes things in real time for the building up of the church, for the building up of the recipients. And so um, in all of this, it can come in the form of words or scriptures or images or dreams. Um, it, oftentimes it's just an impression on the heart, almost like intuition. I just have this overwhelming sense. This is where I'm supposed to go. This is who uh, I'm supposed to talk to. This is what I'm supposed to uh, say. Um, but in all of it, um, rarely, if ever, does this happen in the form of an audible voice. And I think way too many of us kind of wait for that. Like, well, until I hear the booming voice of God, I guess he doesn't want to speak to me. And easily we can miss this. And so what we're doing as a community when we practice this stuff is, is we're just learning to quiet our souls. And we're learning to stop talking for like two seconds and just listen. Say, God, if there's anything you want to say, I'm, I'm open right now. We're learning to, to turn the radio dial over to a new frequency. We're learning increasingly to receive from God and learn to see reality from his perspective. And I'll end with this. One of my friends uh, was recently in the Middle East. He does a lot of work there. Uh, doing humanitarian aid and kind of kingdom building stuff. And he was in northern Iraq recently, and he invited one of his atheist friends to come along with him on the trip. And for whatever reason, his atheist friend said, yeah, sure, I'll go. Uh, and so they're in northern Iraq, uh, working in refugee camps, doing all this cool stuff, shoulder to shoulder alongside um, the Muslim friends who are there. And so uh, at one point, uh, he leaves his atheist friend uh, with a Muslim friend in, in a coffee shop. And I realize this sounds like the start of a bad joke, okay? But just stick with me, okay? So he leaves him there and, and takes an important phone call or whatever. He comes back in, and his Muslim friend is talking to his atheist friend, and he says, what, like, what do you mean? Like, you don't believe in God? What do you mean you don't believe in God? E everyone has to believe in God. And his atheist friend is like, no, no, I, I don't. And his, his Muslim friend thinks about it for a second, and he says, have you talked to Jesus about that? And his atheist friend is flabbergasted. What do you mean, talk to Jesus? I don't, I don't believe in God. Why, why would I talk to Jesus about that? And besides, you're Muslim. Shouldn't I talk to Muhammad about that? And his Muslim friend said something absolutely profound. He said, if you talk to Muhammad about that, you won't hear anything. But if you talk to Jesus about it, he'll talk back. And his Muslim friend had, had yet to become a follower of Jesus. But he, he hit on something that all followers of Jesus have believed for all time. That God is alive. That the tomb is empty. And that God is just getting started in shaping and molding this reality. God has never stopped talking. And the question is, are we listening? Let's pray. You can go ahead and uh, clear off your lap and uh, 
I'll invite the band back up here. And um, we're just going to take a few minutes uh, to pray before we uh, worship through music together. And um, what, what we're going to do during this time is, is I want us to practice as a community the, the art of listening and listening prayer. And so if you have something pressing on your heart that you feel like, oh, I have to say this to God right now, you, you can say it, okay? We're not going to police it or anything. But what we want to do is just learn that art of just sitting and listening and receiving from God in real time. God loves to whisper to his kids. And, and we want to be people who don't miss that. Paul says, don't miss this. This is what I want you to press into. And so uh, over the course of the next few minutes, uh, if you have a journal or whatever, feel free to, to pull that out. And I would encourage you to just write down anything that God brings to mind. It could be a scripture, it could be someone's face, could be a name, could be a word, could be a thought or an image. Whatever it is, even if you don't understand it, just receive that in the simplest way you know how and, and just maybe write it down and then at the end maybe just pray about, God, what, what does this mean? What do, I, what do I do with this? What do you want me to hear this morning? What we read in the scriptures is that the death of Jesus was the beginning of a new age and, and that the distance, the veil between us and God is, is thinner than you would imagine. That God is nearer than we assume he is. He's not far away. And he has something to say. Let's pray.